2: Now, one.
1: We're the only country that comes up with a name for a fun. crack It's like and It's and It's no
2: harm. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test.
3: It's time for all these people and it's always a good-hearted
2: person to change them. Join the conversation! Call 0818 96 96, 96.
1: Extra WhatsApp 083 396
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
1: This is. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96
4: FM. Morning, morning. How are you? Gorgeous morning. I'm looking at the weather charts changing over the next few days. People were saying, oh, there'll be some kind of a deluge at the weekend, and we'd all be drowned, and the summer will be over, and and etc. etc. and all of that. And no, I don't see that at all coming into the weekend. There will be showers. There could be heavy at times But coming to next week Not the very hot stuff But the nice warm stuff Looks like making a return uh, Alan and Carla Weather tweeting in the last 12 to 14 hours That you could get some very warm air In the next 8 to 10 days Coming up over us He's at the point, we have been watching Alan as you know for years now He's at the point where he's saying I'm not predicting this yet I'm just seeing it coming and we've learned over the years that when he says that he's watching closely for something that may well happen so it doesn't look as if summer which has started beautifully is over anytime soon bear with us on that one speaking of summer and ocean I see it's ocean day I was at Gary Vaux on Sunday and I was very happy to note that one of my bugbears over the years and I have been so, so Down on this over the years Is people leaving litter on the beach I was very happy to see On Sunday that Gary Vonnell The tide was in, the tide was nearly up in the car park But the beach looked Really tidy It looked like people were really doing their best To bring their stuff home And I hear that clip there in the morning news About what can we do For our oceans on World Ocean Day And the lady in the news was saying About bringing your children to the sea And telling them just how important the oceans are to us and if there's something every single family could do and I mean every family and it'll take no effort at all on behalf of every family that goes to the beach over the summer months bring a little bag with you for your rubbish it is as simple as that and bring your stuff home and don't be complaining about no bins and don't be giving out about no recycling and don't be going on about this that or the other if you're going to the beach with the kids for the afternoon, roll up a little bag, little shopping bag, say that's seen better days, and put it in and bring your stuff home. That's the contribution we can all make to the oceans without even thinking about it. And that's my little rant. It's not a bad one. I have, I've had worse rants to start <laughs> to start of a morning. I note that. Um, Teddy Mac's funeral arrangements have been announced. They'll be in the news, they're in the papers, just to remind you again, because this time yesterday morning I was chatting with his captains from 1990, Larry and Mull, about the passing of the great Teddy Mac, and we were anticipating there would be an enormous funeral. And the arrangements are, he will lie in repose at Barry Brothers Funeral Home in Glanmire tomorrow between 4 and 6 uh, Friday, June the 9th and then s- s- the funeral mass is St Joseph's Church Spring Hill that's Saturday at 11 burial afterwards to the cemetery in Rathcooney a lovely idea that started on the show yesterday and I don't know who can do it who can make it happen but I started getting some private messages last night about people who thought what a fabulous idea uh, that we, could we get the, the, the Liam McCarthy and the Sam McGuire or replicas thereof could we get them to the funeral could we have Larry and Mull maybe presenting the cups or bringing up the cups or holding the cups at the funeral there must be some way at his passing at his funeral to mark Teddy Mac's unique achievement as I said yesterday And as was said We're blue in the face From hearing it now And you know We'll hear it more Over the next few days There is There's a short enough List of people Who have done All Ireland senior Medals at both Football and hurling That's a very short list But there's a list of one One man One wonderful man Who has done it In the same year In the same month Within two weeks Of one another And that's our teddy And it would be fantastic At his funeral To mark that in some way we'll never know it might happen might not love if it did the book of condolences is also open still at the city hall and will remain open for a couple of weeks monday to friday nine to five get in there and sign the book all right here's a story to start us off this morning i don't know if you've ever seen or ever been close to a large swarm of bees Certainly it was something that would make me nervous. I'd be, I wouldn't be inclined to stand too near a big swarm of bees. There was a big cricket match in Cork yesterday, a competitive cricket match up at the cricket ground yesterday. Had to be put on hold, had to be paused for nearly an hour. There was a swarm of bees descended onto the pitch or onto the playing surface at the Mardach. And then eventually they clustered near the pavilion there. There's some fabulous pictures of this enormous cluster of bees near the pavilion. What do you do? Players left the pitch just before quarter to five and they resumed sometime after six. But I had to get them out of there. And this, we think, is the first time in the history of Irish cricket a professional beekeeper had to be called out to the Mardyke to uh, sort out The situation, his name is Mauro Diaz. He's from Buzz of Nature. Mauro, it looks like something that was very scary for everybody who was there yesterday at that match. Was it a scary situation? Was it a dangerous situation? Good morning.
5: Uh, good morning uh, PJ I don't see it that way uh, Like the, the bees when they swarm Especially on that type of occasion Like they are very calm All they, they're looking for is a safe place to land And to rest uh, Until they move on to their new house as such So they were very calm They weren't uh, stinging anyone Yeah They had clustered onto
4: a fence Thousands of that's them And I, that's that's I watched your Instagram video you, what, you lifted them off with your bare hands
5: yeah like you know when when the bees are swarming on this on those type of situations like they're not aggressive or all they're looking they they don't have a house to defend or 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 they own property to defend so they they have not, no reason to to kill themselves as you know once they sting they will die so uh, all they're looking for is to gather around the queen and protect the queen and um, once I put a box next to them, they were quite happy to move into the box. And then I just slightly helped them to move into the box. But they, they were very calm was a lady standing by she actually grabbed some of them as well like uh, um, so the situation like i think everyone enjoyed it it was a was a great experience for everyone that was involved you know
4: well it's fascinating to watch an expert at work the queen you say was she buried in that cluster and was that your job to to quietly and very calmly get to her and and put her into the box was that what you had to do
5: that's kind of what you look for when you when you get into those type of situations so if you try to if you try to find the queen and try to move the queen into the box itself that will help to to uh, to speed up the process as we say right so they will follow the queen they will they will go faster into the box so we could move along and the cricket match could carry on you know mm-hmm. so uh, So that's kind of the kind of the main process that you try to find the queen and locate the queen. So you make sure that the process goes along slightly faster, you know.
4: And as long as you remained calm and gentle with them, they weren't going to turn on you because they would die.
5: That's correct. Yeah, Once they sting, the queen, the queen can sting as well, but she won't lose the the sting itself. But all the nightly bees, once they sting, they will lose the sting and they will lose part of the abdomen. So they will die. Apart from that, like you know, um, so that's one of the reasons why they die. So they will sacrifice themselves to I save see. the queen uh, and the swarm itself. So, but on uh, like I was explaining a while ago on this occasion, they have no reason to to actually sting because they have nothing to defend. I see because the situation was pretty calm and there was no <laughs> was really calm. Like that's why you could handle them by hand without any type of equipment or whatsoever. You know. So where did you take them once you got them safely into the box? They are actually in Glontown at the moment, so I took it to one of my apiaries. so they, they'll be there for a while, I need to actually move them into a bigger box, because they will grow really quick. We need to make sure that we give them enough space, so that, that won't happen again. Are they breeding if, if at this know, time uh, of the year, Moro, or what is happening with them? No, the, the, this time of the year, the, is, is, is it swarms is pretty common, from spring all the way to the end of the summer, so... Um, what happens, PJ, is that they they overgrow the house that they're living in. I see. So then they split. So they leave a new queen behind and they fly off. Half of the bees will fly off with the with the old queen I to see. find a new house. You've devoted your
4: life's work to these fascinating creatures. Where does your love for them spring from?
5: Uh, I don't know. Like I got involved with the bees probably ten years ago, and I I just find it amazing how how docile can they be, and how people can be so afraid of such a thing. And it's like they're so small, and I I just, I just have the passion of. Going around and try to save them, and mm. taking them from people's roofs, and uh, and all those those things that uh, that I, I just find them amazing. The amazing creatures, the way that they gather together, the way that they are a, a big family, and the way that they just I think, as as humans, we have a lot of learning from bees, really, the way that they operate and they they gather together and they stick together and all those those small things that makes a massive difference for a colony to survive.
4: Are they under threat from climate change and things like that?
5: Everyone is under threat from climate change, like but uh, as small as you are and more dangerous you are, you know. And the bees are are a really small creature, and uh, as as humans we need to step up and try to save them as and try to help them as best as we can and find them safe places to be. Because what they do for us is phenomenal, isn't that right? yes the the pollination the like beyond all the honey that they give us but the pollination is the more important all the crops that they pollinate and is very important for the for for the human race and for the all the other animals as well like you know
4: Mauro if someone should come across a swarm of bees like this across the summer and they would naturally be nervous what should they do can they contact you straight away do they go to your instagram what do they do
5: they could go to to my Instagram, Buzz of Nature, uh, or they could go into our website, buzzOfNature.ie, as well. Like they could contact us there, or they could just get on to swarms.ie as well. Uh, our friend Stephen is there as well. That's how we got the call yesterday so he will he will send out the beekeepers whatever is available to go out as well he does great work as well and is there uh, any advice
4: for people who are awaiting the arrival of an expert yourself or your, your mm-hmm. pal Stephen uh, if there's a swarm in my garden and I'm waiting the arrival of a beekeeper any advice to to me
5: I just try to not disturb them uh, uh, as much as possible I can try to remain calm and just wait uh, as such for the professionals to arrive but like I, like I don't see a, a swarm being a threat to anyone Okay. Just if they would be in the middle of the road or something like that and then there be cars passing and that you could not control the environment around them. But if you try to control the environment around them, they'd be very calm. They won't be a threat to anyone. I see. And if, if someone had pets, should they keep them in? They should keep them in. Like try to keep the pets away because uh, dogs, uh, not cats so much, but dogs would be quite curious yes. about seeing a, a big cluster of bees. <laughs> they might get sting because the bees don't like fur too much. They take it as a threat as well. Yeah, it, so uh, it might
4: not end well for the dog. Mauro, thank yeah. you very much for talking to me this morning. Uh, it's it's fascinating what you do. Thanks. Thanks, PJ. appreciate it. Cheers, Mauro. Yeah, from Buzz of Nature, that's Mauro Diaz. There's a video on our Twitter at Opinion ninety six of Mauro in action yesterday, and there he is with literally with his bare hands taking fistfuls of bees off that fence and putting them into the box. Brave man. (laughs) I mean, you you think of a beekeeper as a fella with a net and gloves and a big suit. I'm sure he wears that from time to time. But yesterday, he just wandered up to these bees, assessed the situation, decided, that they're nice and calm, and started just picking them up in his bare hands and putting them into a box. He's a braver man than I. Swarms.ie is that website if you should ever find yourself uh, confronted with a swarm, or indeed you can go to Instagram and follow Buzz of nature. Keep the dog in, though, is the advice. And if it's not bothering you, don't bother it and the expert will come and move them on. Thank you, Mauro. O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Has anybody else come across such a thing? It caused the suspension of a cricket match yesterday, but has anybody else had an adventure with a swarm of bees? Of course the one you want to watch is the swarm of wazzies, but I think I think you'd recognise the difference. I didn't think of asking Mauro that but I'm sure you'd recognise wazzies, bees are harmless honeybees in particular are harmless or so, so Mauro says but wazzies, not so much there's been a traffic accident in Upper Glenmire, uh, the Whites Cross area near Crowley Engineering and Whites Cross GAA traffic is down to one lane and it's backing up fast because people use this as a kind of an unofficial bypass for Watergrass Hill at this hour of the morning So be careful on approach, avoid that area If possible, traffic accident reported In the upper Glenmire area
1: Join the conversation This is the
2: Opinion Live With Hidden Hearing, changing lives With the latest hearing health technology They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie
1: 96
2: FM Cork loves the arts. We
1: do too. That's why we bring you The Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM.
2: Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages and we'll tell
1: you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings,
2: 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork.
1: 96 FM.
4: Someone was listening to me there at the top of the program about the idea of when you go to the beach, bring home your stuff in a little plastic bag. Then teach your children to always bring stuff home from the beach their sandwich wrapper, their skins, their Appaluxes, whatever they have crisp bags, drink cans, <coughs> whatever they have. Bring it home. Don't be leaving it on the beach for some other poor fool to do it. And don't be giving me this there are no bins excuse. Don't buy it. Don't need one. You don't actually... Remember, was it Tim Lucy, the county manager, said a couple of summers ago that if he had his way, there'd be no bins. And that would encourage people to bring their stuff home. And I'd love to know if we could resolve to do that uh, for, for this year better than we've ever done it before. But then we get this message. Well, whatever about the bins... What the heck are you supposed to do about going to the toilet? There are hundreds upon hundreds of people in Fitzgerald's Park, for example. The toilet isn't working, hasn't been working for days. I asked one of the attendants, he said, if you ask them in the cafe nicely, they will oblige. I was so embarrassed, but I want to compliment them there in the cafe on being so nice. There's no toilets in the city centre either, as we're on the subject. Yeah, we have a, a severe shortage of public toilets. I didn't look to see what the public toilet situation was in Gary Vaughan when I was down there on Sunday. I know it has improved in in Fountana, uh and a few more places like that. And yes, you can't necessarily put that into a bag and bring it home. That I get. That I get. So a few more public toilets wouldn't go amiss around the beaches of Cork. O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Mentioned to you that the book of condolence for Teddy Mack is open, it's open now, and will be open 9 till 5 down at City Hall from Monday to Friday until further notice. I think they said they'd run it for a week or two, at least. Maureen Tuig from the Cork's 96 of M newsroom went down yesterday as the book was opened and as the queues began to form.
5: This is an unnatural shock, swamped cock. Um, I was amazed last last night to read this thing, We grew up with this game, like, and uh, we attend every single game that is there. And uh, Teddy, like, he was our icon, like, in the 80s, like, and this is uh,
3: frightening, like, for such a a young, talented man, like, and...
2: How important
3: was it to you to be able to pay tribute to him in City Hall this morning? This is one of the greatest uh, achievements ever, like, I I actually paid tribute to Chris During as well, like, I'm a Glen. A Glen Rovers man, myself, like you know, and uh, this is um, this is a shock, like. We're the best for knowing the man, Teddy, and he's a true legend. Few will equal him; no, none will surpass him. I have a treasure photograph of himself and John Consolid in the Father Probe restaurant in Waterford, which I owned at the time, and uh, with a photograph of them with the McCarthy Cup and the uh, San Miguel Cup. So I took her out this morning and I put a little candle in front of it just as the knack of respect. I say, thank you, Teddy. Rest in peace, and his ability, and outstanding performance at center field, was 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 something that I've never seen anyone. I've been going on my life to matches. I've travelled in London, Manchester, New York, and if we said Teddy McCarthy, oh yes, we know Teddy.
2: <laughs> and how important was it to, to have the opportunity to pay tribute here in the Book of Condolence.
3: Very important, Do you know. It's um, it humbles us, and and how. Uh, uh, how, how much governance we have our own destiny, you know, and a man that you would imagine would live forever has taken at a young age. Well, I have all the newspaper clippings from the following day, from the Cork Examiner, as it was then, to all the Irish Times evening, evening echo. And on the front of the evening echo, there was a the photograph of Tomás Mulcahy, the hurling captain. And Larry Tompkins, the football captain, both holding the trophies, and the, the headline was double tops. And, of course, Teddy McCarthy got the two medals in the, uh, in the one year as well. And he, he actually missed, he missed both months of the finals because he was out injured. But, uh, yeah, there was those, uh, very vivid, clear memories
6: so many fantastic memories I think anyone who was around in 1990 remembered the excitement of that great win and our thoughts I think I suppose are with his family and it's a great loss to the Jay family in Cork we will never forget him I think his memory will live on because, you know, I was only telling my children only recently about the fact that he is uh, the only man to have won the double in the same year. So I think it's something as Cork people we're extremely proud of. And I hope his family, you know, hold on to those fantastic memories because we will. How important is it to have the book of condolences that the city can pay tribute to them? I think it's important because all of us I, I know myself last night when I heard the news it was just this deep sadness and um you know the flashbacks to the to the great times uh, that he gave us. So I just want him him and his family to know that, you know, we think about him and that we will, you know, enjoy those happy memories in the years to come.
7: Remember a lot about him, who was real young at the time but the history is there. We can ask for more is unbelievable. How important is it to have a book of condolences here for the, the city to pay tribute to? People need it, to. People will. The members all the wrong person. They say he was a legend, an absolute legend in
4: hurling, has sport. We will we'll never get to see it. We want. We won't see the likes again. That's some people queuing up at the very early stages of the book of condolences for Teddy, which remains open at the city hall uh, until further notice. A week or two at least they said between nine and five. Somebody thanks Moriet for that. Somebody else that it came to mind last evening or in yesterday as the programme was finishing was a good pal of mine, Dave, Dave O'Connor from Suit Distributors. Back in nineteen back in two thousand and twenty, three years ago, Dave produced a special shirt to commemorate the the nineteen ninety double. And his dream was to get that short presented or have the photograph taken of the three lads, Larry and Mull and, and, Sh- and, and Teddy, with, with the, the shorts on to commemorate 30 years of the double. He got that photo. He got some fantastic photos at the time. I don't know if they still have those shorts, but they're a treasured possession now, anyone who's got them. And they came out in a few colours. They were, they were really nice. But I was thinking of Dave and the team at Suit Distributors yesterday and the work Months of work and dedication they put into to getting that shirt made and getting it right and getting it um, replicated and getting it onto the backs of the fellas who'd played back in 1990s. So I was thinking of all of them (laughs) yesterday. Later this morning, I'll be talking to Margaret. Now, Margaret's beloved son, David, passed away last month. Such a tragedy. He was only 19 and he was married... For six weeks. It's such a tragedy. And the family have reached out to us to see can we help them in some way. Uh, There's one specific way they want us to try to help. Uh, We'll make no promises but we will do what we can. More on that coming up later. Just getting back, I had a text during that song there from my pal Dave up at Suit Distributors. He's heartbroken because himself and Teddy would have a cup of tea and a chat nearly every week. Teddy would call in. For a cup of tea and a natter. And they'd put the world to rights together, the two of them. And David's heartbroken. My thoughts with you and the team, uh, my dear friend. The shirts are still available if you want to get those 1990 shirts uh, f- to commemorate the, the double. Um, they're beautiful and they still have them, um, still on sale now following Teddy's passing. So just wanted to let you know that. On a happier note, I have tickets again today for Rod Stewart. He's at the Marquee on the 20th of June. And our friends at Aiken Promotions have given us another pair of tickets for you to take, and whoever you want to take with you, for the 20th. So simple. What you have to do is text the word Rod and your details to oh eight three. 396 96 96 083 396 96 96, the word rod and your details and send you off to see himself at the marquee Tuesday June 20th
1: Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line
2: With Hidden Hearing Focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Fox 96 FM 6 to 9 a.m. On Cork's 96FM.
4: Message here, I didn't end up using this but I did bring it with me just in case I needed it. In my junior search. I put cheat notes (laughs) into a sanitary pad and my plan was if I needed to do it, needed to go to the loo, the supervisor wouldn't suspect
8: anything. That could get very confusing though that could get very confusing. It's like when should you mix butane and methane together and you look open the thing and you're like, always (laughs) (laughs)
2: Casey and Ross in the morning, test drive the award SCODA NYAC
4: Electric SEV at Nil DC Cars, SCODA Sales Dealer of the Year, Cox 96 Rachel was on about bees. Hi PJ, we'd millions of bees pass over our house two weeks ago in tower. I had to run and close all the windows. I, I looked out the front room. I could see them flying up the drive. It was like something out of a movie. <laughs> Cheers, Rachel. Yeah, well, as Mauro said, there's generally nothing to fear from them when they're swarming like that. They're just moving house. And if they swarm in your garden or around your house, or like that, just just swarms.ie and the lads will help you there. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, Tom says, no wonder PJ is first with the bee news. He gets the lowdown from the queen bee. Yeah, Tom. (laughs) Not that anyone's thought of that before, but thanks. I saw this news yesterday and I thought, okay. All right, it is what it is. Dublin City is to give Greta Thunberg the freedom of the city. It's the Dublin City Council giving Greta Thunberg the freedom of the city. And this message says, I am totally against this. She's no expert. Anytime she's been questioned, she simply comes out with slogans about the world ending. It doesn't feel like science. It feels like just she's being a prophet of doom. I've never complained about her before. She was a teenager... And I felt it was unfair. And they need to develop their opinions and and think things through. But now she's 20. She's an adult. And she's still just sloganeering. She has a huge following still. Greta Thunberg has. But not as big, I think, as she had. And she seems to have, in my view anyway, she seems to have sort of slipped back from the front line in terms of the whole climate change thing. But there's the decision. Dublin City... Giving her the freedom of the city. Um, for, I assume for this year. I assume before the Lord Mayor's change, which is usually in the summertime. Your thoughts are welcome, if you have any. On 0818 96 96 96. Now, one thing that we've heard more and more of in the last few weeks is restaurants, pubs, anywhere that serves the public in hospitality, generally short of staff... Very short of staff. Shorter hours because of that. Later opening of kitchens because of that. You might normally get a bit of grub at three o'clock on a Sunday. You won't get it out at five because the chef is on the break after doing lunch and won't be back until the evening time. There just isn't the staff to go around and and keep a full service going. And as we head into the busy summer season, to Ireland have done what they call their tourism barometer. And it says that worker shortages are among the top five concerns as the season approaches. The Restaurants Association says it is the most vulnerable of the tourism sectors because of this. Locally, talk to uh, Mike Ryan of uh, Cockbull and Corn Store right here in the the city centre. Mike, we talked many times about the effects of. What happened during the pandemic and now after the pandemic shortage of staff would seem to be the number one problem good morning
9: good morning pj how are you not too bad sir yeah it's 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 well it's i think it's been like we've all experienced the difficulty through the, the reopening after the pandemic um and and there on but the, i suppose the main shift now has been the fact that we don't have we, there's a massive uh, lack of experienced staff. you have your core teams, and like during the summer times, and we look for part-time people to help in and and fill in around to to help to help the the operations when it's a busier time, especially more coastal areas. But the problem is that you don't have the main um, core staff now in a lot of premises to actually direct those people. So it, it's a it's a challenge for a lot of businesses because it actually is impacting on how they how they operate and, and how their customer service is. And it's, it's it, you know, it's a worry going forward for a lot of people.
4: You see opening hours changing and you know that a lot of it is down to the cost of energy and all these things, but a lot of it is also down to a lack of staff.
9: Totally. Um, we have, um, like, we have curtailed some, sometimes, especially earlier in the year when we were opening because, like, we operated within the city centre, so it has there's definitely uh, a drop-off of people during, especially earlier in the week being around lunch business and things like that and people shopping like retail has fallen off so during the day it's not worth being opening and on a Monday night on a Tuesday night you can see a lot of play- like town is very very quiet so it's not feasible to be opening on top of the fact that you need to keep your, you need to be able to give staff time off and need them for the weekends. You also need to be conserving your co- energy costs because it's it's very, you know, when you with the, the costs that are there right now, it's actually frightening. Cause we've actually worked it out uh, a while back how much it costs to open just on gas and electricity for a ten-hour shift, and we're absolutely shocked when you put that on top of, of how it was, and when you put that on top of uh, wages for on a skeleton staff for a day. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't add up at the end of the day to, to actually open up.
4: You've got to get a lot of bodies in the door just to break even.
9: You do, and that's all people want to do at the moment is break even. You know, you don't want to lose money we we're not know we're at the moment i think most people especially in the hospitality business and in a lot of businesses are will say that they're not there to make money you just want to keep going pay the bills pay the wages and just make sure that we're there and still in operation for when things do improve like we can see energy costs dropping down a small bit but then when you see when you see things like diesel going back up that means that's a knock on effect onto delivery with delivery uh, with vans and things like that sort for 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 goods so that will now push the price of uh, veg and things like that back up again. So every little thing is a knock-on effect to the cost of running a business. So it's amazing how at the moment, like every fa- everything is feeding into the fact that it's not feasible to open on a on an earlier part of the week for a lot of premises. It doesn't make sense.
4: In terms of getting the people, I was chatting to a fella out of town. We won't say where, in the last few weeks, and he said the hardest thing about it now is that people their work-life balance has become far more important to them. They don't want to work a weekend or they give you one weekend day when actually you need them for two. And it's so hard just to find people to work the regular shifts.
9: Well, I think that there's been a massive shift away since the pandemic of what people actually want to do and are happy to do, I suppose. But the thing is that but that has been happening for a long time when you actually talk about Irish people themselves in 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 the hospitality business. You'd know a lot of uh, people that were coming in from other countries that were filling in the gap. But it's been for years people have been falling away from working in hospitality. So now, with the lack of other people coming in to fill the, the voids, you just see now that it's just like an possibility because like it's it's an industry, I suppose. For years, people you you love it or hate it when you're in it, mm. and it just, it's just and it's just it look, it's. It's an industry that's a very hard one to work in. You have to love it. And it's not for everyone. Mm. And I suppose that the skill sets have been lost as the years go on. So the problem is that it's going to be an issue going forward for the actual industry, because it's still a massive employer in the country. A
4: couple of weeks ago, we did some stuff on the programme and many other programmes did it too, where people sent in receipts for for their lunch. Um, Things that came in like, we had one instance here where we, a fellow was charged 90 cents for a scoop of cream. Now, now look, you know, you can agree or you can disagree with it. But in the industry, does that kind of talk annoy the hell out of you, Mike?
9: It, see, I suppose it does. But at the end of the day, you, you know, people, if you're not in the industry and you don't know the ins and outs of it's not about the scoop of cream. Like, you know, that container comes in, has to be washed. Yeah. It has to be bought in the first place. The lights are in on the building the heat the air con is on in the building it 's not about just the actual scoop of cream it 's about the operation everything that you sell is like any business now i 'm not justifying prices or anything else i 'm just saying when a business charges it's you know if they're deemed to charge, they need to charge for something they 've had to buy it in yeah they've had to have a staff member uh, whip the cream they 've had to trans. someone has to bring it to a table so like there's labor it's, it's, it's the problem with. At the food, the hospitality businesses, it's so labour intensive. Yes. And, you know, labour has become quite expensive. Like, and that's absolutely fine, except that what people are prepared to pay for things haven't gone up. Yeah. People working in the industry demand more money and that because the cost of living is so high and that's absolutely fine. There's no, I actually genuinely have, like, I have no problem paying people once we have the money to pay them. Yeah. But the thing is, at some point it becomes too expensive so there's such multiples every time someone touches it, it it multiplies up that's a cost so I suppose people can focus on a small item like cream or something but you have to charge for what you're providing you know
4: yeah we are coming into a budget cycle and you can take it as red there'll be calls for another increase in the minimum wage which for people who earn a wage like that that's great for them but people in your industry will dread that
9: would that be right Honestly, no, because I think the people working in the industry, in the industry right now on the ground, are all getting paid above what the actual minimum wage is. The the problem with minimum wage is it increases, it's a knock-on through the whole system. So uh, you might have had someone that's happy to be on. 14 euros an hour. But the minimum wage comes in. Someone is just walking in the door. They're learning how to polish cutlery and they're on the minimum wage for 11.30 or 11.50. But it's the minimum wage will probably go to 11.50 or maybe 11.80. Well, all of a sudden they go, well, I should be getting an extra 50 cent on the other end.
4: Also, when the minimum wage goes up, everybody else says, well, he got an extra 40 cents an hour, so...
9: Then I want 40 or I have 10 years experience, so I want an extra euro... And that multiplies when you have 50, 60 people working in the premises. It's not supposed to, but that's the reality of it. I have no problem, personally, no problem. And I think most people in business have no problem with minimum wage. It's a knock-on effect of it.
4: Mike, let's finish on a positive uh, as we head in to the heart of the summer. Do you think there's a good summer possible? 2020 was a dead loss. 2021 wasn't much better. 2022 was only all right. What are the chances of a, a decent summer for 2023?
9: You know, I think we're, when you have good weather, people are positive. And when they're positive, they're happy to be out. So we'll take it that, you know, that, like, all going well with, with, without any extra costs or anything else on happening, I do believe that we will have a good summer with positivity with people out and about and, you know, enjoying themselves. So I do think it's going to be good. Um, is it going to be one of our best ones ever? No, because I think it's the cost of doing business is too expensive still. You can be a busy fool as well, and your accountant at the end of the year going to go, yeah, you had a great summer, but you made no money. So I do think people are very cautious with their money, and they have to be. But I do believe that, you know, when they have an opportunity and the weather's good, they will go out. So we'll be we'll be all hopeful and positive.
4: Mike, good to catch up. Thanks very much. Go talk, you. Cheers, Mike. Yeah, uh, look, you have to be positive. And Mike always is, no matter how tough things got during the pandemic and stuff. Mike was always a positive. He always tries to see the glasses half full rather than half empty. But there's definitely a problem with staff. I was in this place a couple of weeks back, popped in for a bite of lunch. Well, it was closer to evening. of a Sunday down in West Cork. Won't tell you where, it wouldn't be fair to the premises. And it was about 20 to 5 and we were ordering a bit of dinner and I said to him, man, can you take an order from me? He said, I can, but I can't give you so much as a spud until about quarter past five because he said my kitchen isn't open until five. Um, he said, I have to close after lunch and give the, give the chef a break. So we got chatting and of course this damn voice of mine is recognised way too often. So he knew who he was talking to. He said, come here till I tell you. He said, I had two staff. Two lovely people, he said, local lads, he said, hand in their resignation to me on Wednesday or Thursday. He said they wanted a better work-life balance. So unless I could do without them on Sunday, they were prepared to leave. He said, Sunday's my busiest day, for goodness sake. So there's that, there's that. There's, you know, I don't know, unfortunately. And yes, you'll have the argument, well, pay them more and they'll stay. I don't think it's as simple as that anymore. I really, really don't. If, if, if money isn't everything to to people now, they want the work life balance as well.
1: Corks ninety six FM. Yeah, fun
4: starts on Monday. Week in Ibiza is coming. Listen for your way to win your way to the world's most famous party island. You'll spend seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel with tickets to David Guetta, Joel Corey Ocean Beach. And dinner at the famous Café Mambo for that incredible sunset. And not only that, we'll throw in spending money. You're listening weekdays for the biggest hits of the White Isle. Then you'll text or WhatsApp for your chance to win. It all kicks off Monday, June 12th. Your chance to win a week in Ibiza, only on Corks 96FM.
1: Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden
2: Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96FM.
0: Corks Gold Emerald Award-winning sports show.
2: Right, right here, right here. Score on Corks 96 FM. Join me, Trevor Welch,
4: Sundays from two for the best music mix and all the latest sports as we bring you all of the reaction from Cork City's clash with Dundalk at Turner's Cross and Cove Ramblers' trip to Treaty United.
2: Right here, right now.
0: Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from two p.m. on Corks 96 FM. The lines are live.
1: Oh, hello.
2: Join the conversation! Call 0818 96, 96,
1: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96
2: 96. Email opinion at 96 FM. This
1: is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96
4: FM! I've just seen something that makes me very, very happy and that I want. I absolutely want this to wear not only on my holidays but I would wear this gold paint in Paris. I'd probably get instantly barred but I would. There's a company called hipposfashion.com I must look them up. They've come up with this fantastic shirt. It's a kind of Hawaiian shirt style thing. But it's like the old HB ice cream poster. So it's got like magnums on it and cornettos on it and pose on it and loop the loops and wibbledy wobbledy wobbledy wind wibbledy wonders and and twisters and every oh it's and chuck ices it and, and 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 iceberg it's brilliant it's like one of those ice cream posters that you see on the side of the fridge and it's a short and I want one so much oh my god I just hope that they'd make them now in a size for a fella. Who had eaten more than his fair share of ice cream? Shall shall we say? Oh, look it up! Uh, You'll get it on Retro Ice Beam Ice Cream Hawaiian. It's brilliant! I love it! I know I want one of them! Going on my holidays in a few weeks, I want to wear one of them on the beach. And I also want to wear one in Barry's. or the South County, or anywhere that'll have me. No, nope, not too many places will have me if I walk in with that. But I would for a dare. I'd wear it to the marquee in a week or two's time if I could get my hands on one. 0818 96 96 96. Now, come here to me. School holidays, for most kids, started uh, last Friday. This is for the secondary schools, the primary schools, won't finish up until the end of June oh, some of them will by the way, I'll come back to that in a minute, some of the primary schools will finish up in early June um, the private ones we didn't know this, we were looking into this yesterday, some of the private primary schools close in June but most of them don't close, the public schools don't close till the end of June, but the school holidays are underway now for all of secondary school except for the poor misfortunes who are doing the junior and leaving certain they're into day two and we're thinking of them it'll be grand lads it'll be fine it'll all be over soon and then you can go and enjoy your holidays and results will come when they come and you'll move on and life will life will go on but already I'm hearing a chorus around me from parents the holidays are too long now I remember when I was a teenager getting my school holidays before the June weekend I looked at this vast Space of time in front of me, and I could not have been happier. I imagine my parents were never too happy to have me and my brother around, and my sister too, maybe, around for three months. But hey, but are is it time to look at reducing the school summer holidays? Or, to twist it the other way around, should we extend the school year? And I'll, I'll compare and contrast in a little while other countries and their school holidays. But Jennifer Horgan is a journalist with The Examiner and you've been writing about this Jennifer. Jennifer, do you, do you believe that the the holidays are too long? Good morning.
10: Morning PJ. I do. I think that the secondary school holidays could do with being shortened um, maybe in line with the primary. Um, actually, the, some private schools you were mentioning there, are some private primaries have already closed. Yes. Yes. Um, I think that's right. Yeah, um, I, I think I, I'm a teacher as well, so I'm kind of um fully aware of sort of <laughs> how unpopular that's going to be with 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 many of my colleagues and, and secondary school teacher uh, children, but. I I suppose I worry about the gap that forms between children who have access to kind of continued education over the summer, whether that's a trip to the Gwailtuk or to, you know, sports activities or whatever, you know, parents that can afford to to send them off Um, and to children who just have a a sort of a a basic literacy at home, you know, that would have books on the shelves or they'd Mm -hmm. be encouraged to read all summer. And there is a there is a, a problematic gap um, in, in reading levels in Ireland, uh, particularly, even though we got a really good report recently on how well we're doing, there's still a huge gap between Desh schools and non Desh schools. Um, and I worry that the three months is just too long Um, for that reason. Mm. But I also think that the school year is very rushed and the school day is very rushed. And so I'd love to have sort of, you know, study periods like they have in other countries where you have students have the time to reflect on the learning that's happened that day so that they're not going home with heaps of homework, for instance. And parents or teachers have the time to plan um, and to maybe meet up, you know, in their departments. So I think like if we just slowed down the actual year, extended it, Mm. um, I think it could be a benefit for... For everyone, reading,
4: really. it's, Look, it's, it's not yesterday that I was at school or, or the day before yesterday, for that matter. But yeah. I do remember that <laughs> by the time it came to the end of May, I was exhausted physically and mentally. Yeah. And I just needed a break. If, you, if you're saying we should shove more into the school year, I'd be no, even not more exhausted. More.
10: Not, no, no. So that's not what I want. Because actually, even though we have the longest summer holidays, we have the most contact time. So that'll tell you, like, we, we are we are Explain actually seeing students more. Okay, so, you know, they, they've done, like, reports on the contact hours across Europe. So the OECD has done this report on, you know, which country sort of ha- has the most contact times. And Ireland is up there. Um, so even though we're there for less of the year, we're actually spending more time with our students.
4: Well, I see. Oh, Does that
10: make sense? So we don't have any kind of time away. So we don't have time for planning during the school day. And the students don't have time, as I said, to kind of reflect and maybe have an hour where they're just mm. regrouping, maybe doing a bit of study. So it's a, so maybe you wouldn't be so exhausted. Hey, and oh, teachers wouldn't be so are, exhausted.
4: The point you're making is our school day is over cluttered, yeah?
10: Yeah. So stretch it out. Because the truth is, like, as it, when I was a teenager and I had three months... Um, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have the you know, the issue with, with screens that we have now and I do worry that my, particularly my younger students, like in first and second year, who are too young to work, um, what are they doing all day? Like if they're not you know, I, I can't, of course I can't speak for individuals, individual families, they may have great ideas and, and kind of great arrangements, but I worry about the possibility of young people just being inside on screens.
5: Mm.
4: Well that's that's up to their parents, Jennifer, I would suggest.
10: It is Absolutely is, yeah. But parents are under a kind of pressure that maybe they weren't under 30 years ago. It's very rare now that you'd have a parent who's actually at home and able to keep mm. on top of these things. Mm. Well, In most families, both parents are working.
4: Yeah, there's a thing actually that the parents around me complain and one of the reasons they complain about the holidays been too long is that there they are, 12 and 13, 14, and you're both parents going out to work. So you have a 13 or 14-year-old or a 15-year-old at home on their own, and if yeah. you have a couple of them there, they can either wreck your house or- k- kill one another, and you're not there to watch mm. what's going on and 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 you know parents worry about that,
10: yeah, and I think that's fair, and that heaps pressure like the family that that the kind of home then is 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 under pressure is under stress that's not good for anyone um so I'm really not talking about kind of I think that, there, that we could look at it positively that extra month in school. I remember like when I worked in England, you'd stay on until mid-July um, and the state exams would be going on in the school, which was also really positive because it didn't have that same sort of fear factor. You know, the other year groups saw that students were sitting these exams and coming out afterwards and, and they had survived, you know, and mm. um, And and it also meant that as a teacher, you didn't have exam classes. So you had hours freed up in your timetable that you could use to kind of meet other colleagues and to plan and and get ready for the next year. So it was Mm -hmm. a lovely month. I actually always enjoyed that last month.
4: Yeah, I have a a great friend of old who teaches in the UK and actually commutes back and forward to teach in the UK. And I was chatting to him recently about the holidays and how they're spread out over the year. And he said the six weeks in the summer, in his experience, he's there a couple of years now, it's actually more than enough.
10: Yeah, like I would think um, maybe eight weeks, Mm. (laughs) maybe eight weeks. But I mean, it is enough, isn't it? I, I, I can't think... How that wouldn't be enough. Um, I'm trying to like I'm trying to think of the other side of it. Like, what is the big difference between why would you fight for those eight weeks, uh, or for the four weeks? Sorry, the extra four weeks. And I, I'm kind of struggling. I'm struggling to to okay. defend them.
4: You're you're a teacher uh, yourself, you say, and I. Yeah. May I ask, are you a member of a teachers' union? I. Anne. Um, uh, can you imagine, Jennifer, and you're a journalist as well, can, and I've covered yeah. enough teachers' union conferences at Easter time. Can you imagine trying to cut a month off the holidays and get that through the unions? Not a prayer, Jennifer.
10: No, I know. I know. So maybe it's pointless, even raising it, but I'm always drawn to to the questions that you're almost afraid to ask.
4: Hmm. Well, let's explore that Do you know? Like, yes, two months would seem to be... I mean, if you're just doing some comparisons while I have you there on the line. In Spain, early June, they break up on the 10 to 12 weeks. That's quite lengthy, but they have no midterms
1: mm. uh,
4: in Spain. Mm. Italy, very long, 13 weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. France, France, about eight weeks off, finishing in July. America, Ten to eleven weeks changes state to state. Germany six weeks. In Norway, they have eight weeks. They break up mid June until mid August. So certainly we're an mm. outlier in terms of the length of the holiday in the summer. Mm. Mm. Yeah,
10: bar a few countries. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, let's let's see what parents think. Uh and students. Well the students the students won't students won't compromise too much oh, on no. this either, I can imagine. No.
10: And I had conversations with them, and they didn't like my, my my ideas at all. One thing that they said, actually, which I think is interesting, is that they would love the school day to start later.
4: Yeah, well, no, but later, like ten I mean,
10: o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there is science behind that, like the teenage brain, like that. They actually, like they were saying to me, they do not get tired. At 10 or 11 o'clock, they're wired that they're not ready for sleep. So they naturally want to stay up later. And then they're having to get up at seven and they're asleep for the first three lessons. Now, I'm not saying again it's ever going to happen, but it's worth the conversation. It is.
4: It is. And let's open it. And you've done that. Thank you, Jennifer Horgan, the teacher and an Irish examiner journalist. And uh, I didn't want to throw her under the bus with that question with regards to the union, but I I have attended all of the conferences in my time. There's always one of them in Cork, and sometimes we used to travel. Um, So you have the ASTI and the TUI are the two secondary school unions, and I've attended their conferences enough to know (laughs) just try, just flipping try, to get uh, that June... Taking off the, the summer holidays, you'd 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 you have no luck in the world. Mary, you've got some thoughts on this. Good morning.
11: Good morning. Um, yes, um, PJ. I don't know. I think you know. I I, I think there'd be more kickback um, from people other than just parents or just teachers in relation to this. You know what I mean? You already have. Um, parents taking children out of, out of normal school hours to take them on holidays mm-hmm. because you can't afford to go any other time. But if you've uh, looked
4: at the brochures and, and try and take a child out of school in the third week in May to go on holidays and then try and take them out in the second week in June, you're racking up the, the zeros there.
11: Oh, yeah. That's, uh, you know, so, you know what I mean? Now, I suppose that applies more, I suppose, to primary school children than it would to... Secondary school children, which is I think what is being discussed here, but definitely like I think these school resources could be maybe used differently, but I'm not so sure that it needs to be in the kind of formal you know extending the existing formative school, which is already not working in fairness for an awful lot of students as it is, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And especially like, you know, they've put in this whole TY year, which is a complete I, don't know, I, 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 I do not it. think is it is the best. No? I don't think it's the best use of time, you know what I mean? They're giving them basically a gap year in the middle, which is productive in some cases very, some students find it very hard to settle back into normal education even after TY. Yeah, you know what I mean and why do they put in TY and now say take off the holidays you know what I mean give them a whole year that you know some programmes TY programmes really aren't I could understand I think it would be more beneficial to maybe change existing school formats block classes mm. emphasis you know give people more subject choices that everybody isn't corralled down yeah. the same route you know what I mean like that you know that maths doesn't define you like kind of thing because it's such a big part of the curriculum. Yes, STEM is very important, but it's only very important for the people who
1: yeah. work in so,
11: in that area.
4: Yeah, I, I, are you saying maybe look again at the value of TY and maybe?
11: Well, uh, just kind of just I, as I say, I I just don't think that the summer holiday should be the first thing. No, I know, like it's very different day, like kind of thing most. Certainly over 16, you went and you had a summer job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that gave you that kind of thing. Now they are confined to getting this couple of weeks in in TY as work experience, whereas we all had jobs in shops or offices doing Mm -hmm. filing or whatever, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And, you know, maybe that's kind of something that, like, maybe, you know, if there were, like, we're all hearing that people can't get workers in coffee shops and yeah. or hotels and all this kind of thing, and maybe you know, changing it to a three three month work experience mm-hmm. program over the summer months.
4: Interesting. I, I remember. We, I remember one of my first my first ever jobs was I worked in I worked in grocery stores uh, in the in yeah, the, and and it was a summer job, and I loved if you every that if
11: you. Great life
4: experience. Fabulous, fabulous,
11: fabulous. Uh, you know what I mean. So, you're, like, you're, you're a mother. Is, you're a mother of five, is,
4: Mary. So you've you've got yes. some you've you've got some experience here. Um, yeah. You you wouldn't be far changing it, no.
11: I don't. I don't know. I think they, like, I think every parent has fa- finds their children grow up so much over the summer months. Do you, did, you not, did you not see like you see see a huge change when you send your child back to school every September? You know what I mean? Not even the physical thing of the pants no longer fitting them. I'm talking about just in their demeanor, what they have done over the summer. Mine all played a lot of sport, like kind of things. So they were able to do that. And, you know, I just think they develop in different areas and the kind of rigid routine of school they benefit from having to fill their own time. And I think actually it's very important for people to learn to have to do nothing. Yeah. To fill your own time. You are not going to be entertained every minute of every day for the rest of your life. Now now
4: you're singing in my key, Mary.
11: Uh, You know, you you have to learn to do nothing. You do.
4: You need to learn. There's nothing better as an adult. You have to learn it as a child, I think. The sheer joy of doing absolutely nothing.
11: Yes. And doing it quietly so you don't get a job from your mother, in my case.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. That's true. Don't let mother know you're doing nothing. You'll be presented exactly, with
11: something you know, to, I'd, something I'd to do. And don't mention the B word. Do not ever say in the whole time that you are bored. Oh, God, no. <laughs> For one minute. <laughs> I alone bore
4: you very fast, young fella. Yeah. <laughs>
11: Just so, lastly, you know, Mary,
4: just, you seem to be a great supporter of summer camps, and maybe that the school might be used
11: I for think summer the school camps. resources. When I walk past schools and see the facilities they have, and the doors locked for so much of the day and so much of the year, I just think, like, it is just scandalous that we're not using those resources more, mm. you know, and and make them use them for fun, you know what I mean? I kind of think they, kids go and they do PE or they have sport or something like that for half an hour a week or something like that, you know what I mean? Whereas I I, I know actually a lot of the Church of Ireland schools have Saturday schools you know, where yeah. they do classes in the morning and just have activities in the afternoon, but it might give people a chance, you know, to do. Like, it. It's just outrageously expensive to send your child to art classes to send them to, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, if the school resources could be used, and in fairness, a lot of the people running these courses have to get venues and they have to pay insurance and they have to do all these kind of and things. And there's all these
4: buildings and yards and parks around the place.
11: Ball you courts, there's football pitches, there's gaar pitches, there's everything. And, you one know, one one use, they're one already one paid, one. paid for. it's a fair point
4: Mary thank you throw it into the debate with anybody else your thought the school year we're talking here about the idea that the secondary school year should be changed that the secondary school summer holidays which started last Friday are too long so knock off June and do what they do in the UK they don't finish until the first or second week in July and they have six weeks then and across Europe It's eight weeks, sometimes longer, but usually eight weeks, whereas we have a full 12 weeks here, or 10 and a half, or 11 weeks, from the end of May, or the start of the June weekend, until the end of August. Three months, three months off. Oh, God, the joys of it. Your thoughts on shortening that summer holiday? Oh, wait, 96 96 Should we continue with some kind of schooling in June? Even if it was a, a summer camp or just a different kind of curriculum for the month of June to give them something to do, to give them something to go in for, to keep school going into June.
1: Join the conversation. This is the opinion line.
2: With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Fox96FM. So,
4: any thoughts on extending the school year or, put it another way, shortening the secondary school holidays, which are now underway? The amount of people going on their summer holidays abroad and taking kids out of school for the two weeks. Is a lot more this year, and that makes the school holidays longer as well. Yeah. Taking them out early, Maeve, I, I I, know they shouldn't, but I can also see why a parent would, if you have two smallies in primary school who aren't going to be out of school until the end of July, just look at the cost of going to Santa Ponza just off the top of my head, for two weeks at the end of May, start of June, and going in July. Because the cost just rockets. And that's why people do it. And while they shouldn't, it's very hard to blame them. Cheers, Maeve, I have other stuff coming up on that too. But Eleanor, here's an unusual one. The rules of walking on the
12: road. Morning. Yep. Good morning. No, I tell you, I was there. I'm I'm watching it for the last while. No, I'm not a great walker, but I'm in Fountainstown for the summer. Oh, and you're, I know, you love it. And um, we were going out the road yesterday in the car, right? And I noticed as we left Fountainstown, there was a nice mature couple like ourselves walking in the direction of oncoming traffic. And as we went up along the road then...
4: Where were you headed, up the road over we were to heading up the
12: road. No, no, we were heading up the road and no, we were going to go to the village. We were on our way oh, to I the see. village. So we were just up that long road there. And just coming up the road there, on the left there was um, two young people walking the same direction as the other couple were up the road. And I said, God, I said, that's wrong. So we went off down to the village anyway and we said we'd take a walk up along the road there, up the point road. And we met into a load of young people and we were on the right side of the road as we say as you go, we were on the direction of oncoming traffic. Yes. And on the other side were the younger people on the other side of the traffic which were coming in behind them. But what stemmed me ring you all together was PJ was on our way home from um the village when we were coming up the hill there, um as you're coming up the hill before, there's a, a very bad bend there, there's been a lot of accidents I know that heading on the road back up towards Myrtleville and Fountainstown mm. and I just said to Jerry, my husband I said Jerry, I said, if we were anywhere in here and there were some of those young people on the road, we'd go right into them, yes. so I'm just wondering like, is it new rules for the young people, or are they just thinking
4: I, I, if- I wonder Eleanor, do people teach them anymore, like yeah. I remember when, always being taught by my parents and by my teachers if you were out walk you walk on your right so that you're facing oncoming traffic driving yeah. on their left. I wonder do people yes. do people even know that anymore?
12: I don't think so because because I said the same as you know. I said, I said, no, I said, are they being told to? Well, we always said, walk in the direction of the oncoming traffic. That's the way yeah. I always walk. Which worked. means walk
4: on, walk on your was, I was putting it away. Walk on your right. Exactly. Because traffic is coming against you at its oh. left, which means you're on the proper side yeah. of the road.
12: So it's just unfair for the young people. As I said, like it just gave me a fright. thinking about coming around that, that quite a bad bend there you now, heading off back up, up to the home. And I just thought, like, I said, I'm going to ring PJ in the morning and I'm going to see what he put it out there just oh, we'll to see. ask people. Do you know what I mean? Well, see.
4: That you, you, you've done just that, Eleanor. Thank you. Uh, I'm a little bit jealous of you spending the summer in beautiful fountains. do say hello to Angela when you're down there. Thank you. 0818969696. So there's a thing. I mean, you walk on the right-hand side of the road. most natural thing of all. Think of where you wait for a bus. You don't wait for a bus on the opposite side of the road to the traffic. So you wait and you walk on the right-hand side of the road. But on the school year... Hello, Katie. How are the exams going? You're on, you're on a break. How, I how,
13: am. <laughs> how
4: how are they going? Do
13: you know something now? They're actually... It was a lovely paper now yesterday. English. English paper one now yesterday, and... I paid for two now later on. Okay. But no it was it was a lovely exam it was nice to kind of have in nice, such a nice exam to start it especially kind of with my year not getting to do the junior search Yeah. It yeah. was I forgot that. It, yeah we like we really didn't know what to expect but no and I'm hearing out like a load of the rest of my friends as well they're all saying it was a lovely exam to be fair.
4: Good, good. Glad to hear that and good luck for this afternoon and good luck <laughs> for the for the rest of the exams. You think, I imagine you would, you think the holidays are fair.
2: Yeah,
13: now I know I might be a bit biased now, but to be fair, I do think it's well-deserved just because the amount of stress, especially in fifth and sixth year, the amount of stress you kind of go through with, you know, exams, the kind of pressures of it, don't know what to expect. And it, it, like it does take its toll... Mentally, too, and I think, it, like, you know, the three months, it's deserving, especially the younger years. Yeah. You know, it's, it's their first experience of secondary school, too, the first years and stuff like that. And they, like, they don't know what to expect either, you know, and it's, I, I, it is deserving. Um, I remember
4: being, those, being your age. It yeah. might not seem like the world is that old, but I remember being <laughs> your age and thinking by the time it came to the end of May, I need a break.
13: Yeah, like, you'll be absolutely drained, you know, because majority of schools, like, like from my own school, normally we do the summer test the last week of school. Mm. But by the time the the end of the week comes, you're drained. And, like, I understand that in the, like, okay, like, the UK and other countries, their summer holidays wouldn't be, like, as short or as long, but they have a different education system to us. Like, I'm sitting 10 exams. I had my orals in French and Spanish, and I had my practical as well in music, you know? They, I'm unsure if they do, or as I'm presuming they would, but they wouldn't have to deal with many subjects as we would. No. You know, that kind of way, and now I'm unsure if the other countries, the UK, would be kind of, the only one I'd be kind of more familiar with. But they don't have as much stress and subjects to do as the people of of, the youth of Ireland would have to do, you know, that kind of way.
4: So you. You've ten exams to do. When are you finished?
13: Um, I'm finished the 22nd of June. That's a bit
4: of a stretch out, but at least you're... Are there any... There used to be, I remember it in my time and even more recently than that, there used to be some awful days where you have two big, heavy writing papers, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Can you avoid that now?
13: Um, I think it just kind of really depends on your subject choice. Like, thankfully, I don't have... Very heavy days, but next Wednesday, you know, I really do have French and history on the one day. Oh, you poor girl! Yeah, French and <laughs> you know? history.
4: I, no, I I loved French, I hated history because I had to do it through <laughs> Irish.
13: But God, I'm the same now, yeah. Are you? Oh, Lord, God, yeah. You. But you know, something I like the two subjects, I don't like getting examined on them, but I do like them. You know, I'd love to kind of. Do French history? and Irish you in college you, next year, so oh, would
4: you? You need a nice yeah. pack for <laughs> your hand though, by the time you finish that day. Like
13: oh, literally, I don't know how I'm gonna get through it, but sure, look, I get, I it'll be over anyway, another week or two, so
4: and and, <laughs> and it's languages you want to do?
13: Yeah, I I do Arts international UCC, so hopefully anyway in September I'll be right.
4: doing it. Well, listen, the best of luck to you, Katie. <laughs> best luck this afternoon. Best luck for the rest of the exams. And I hope it all goes well for you. It must, be hard.
11: Million,
13: must yeah. be hard in
4: this weather, though.
13: Do you know something? It is that I'm like, look, hopefully I'll have the rest of the summer with that kind of weather as well, you know? You'd so. never
4: know. You've never known. You've yeah. never known. Think positive. <laughs> Katie, thank you for your call. That's great. 0818 96 96, 96. She's my caller of the week so far. Uh, the amount of people... Where are we going? The only people who'll have a problem with this are teachers. They barely do eight months a year between summer, Christmas, Easter, and midterm breaks. Most houses have two parents working. They get about two weeks holiday each in the summer. And let's be honest, how many of us were drinking underage through the summer because we we'd no parental supervision? <laughs> Says Pascal. Well, there's two things. There's two things rammed into one comment. But thank you, Pascal. Teachers, I look, I make this point. I made it. Talking to Jennifer, trying to get that passed the the teachers' unions to keep the schools open in June. (laughs) No, I I could never see it. Now, if there's a teachers' union executive listening who disagrees with me, then I'd love to talk to you. (sighs) Extending secondary school year, how would junior and Leaving Certs fare out with their exams if all the other students are in school going full tint at their activities on school premises while the exams are going on? That's... From Bernard, which is a good question, Bernard. Thank you. We don't even have the space at our school to accommodate students because nearly every, every room is taken up with exams. June isn't even an option for a full school, says Robert. And Jean says, no, go, no, no, not a chance. Let them enjoy their freedom. They'll be working long enough. For my son, school is torture. Bullying's a huge issue there. He's miserable heading in every day. He hates school lives for the breaks and for his holidays. Thank you, Gene. PJ, I have two young girls. They think I think the TY program, this is Mary's point. Mary couldn't understand the benefits of TY. It's a different, different discussion, but there you go. Uh, Rebecca, it allowed them time to grow and prepare for the senior cycle. And they both couldn't wait to finish and enjoy their holidays. They both worked very hard. What about the kids with dyslexia, anxiety and other things? They need the time off to relax and to refuel and be ready for another year. PJ, you missed the point the teacher was making. This is Jennifer. It's not about extending the school year. It's about balance. The workplace has work-life balance. but the school children go home after school with tons of homework. Kids are involved with sport and other things. The midterms, Christmas, Easter and the summer, they average out at four months, cut the holidays and reduce the homework. Just saying. I'm in Sligo, listening on the web. Thank you, Pat. And you can do that anywhere in the world. Thank you, Pat. I hope it's nice up in Sligo today. Yeah, no, I see the point. Get rid of homework, stay in school a little bit longer, have more workshops and get rid of homework. No, I do. I I, I do see that point, Pat. Thank you. That shirt I was telling you about, I think it's the fabulous looking thing. It's a shirt Produced by a company called Hippos Fashion. And it's like one of the ice cream posters from the fridges, Longo, where you had a picture of all the different ice creams, and there's magnums, and there's wibbledy wobbledy wonders, and loop the loops, and twisters, and, and you name it. It's loop, everything is there. Cornettos, icebergs, they're, they're all there. And I was just saying, I want one of those shorts. I would wear one of those shorts. I'd wear it to the Pope, I'd wear it to the Marquis. I'd wear it anywhere and I was just saying I hope that they make them in a size that sort of would fit someone who has had more than his fair share of ice cream over the years Jay says you mean you hope they make them man size these shorts yeah man size me size peach size thanks
1: 0818 96, 96, 96 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Live
2: With Hidden Hearing Changing lives With the latest hearing health technology They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie
1: Coach 96 FM The Cork Diary On Cork's 96FM
2: The Cork Diary is a free service So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation Or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned Let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it Email the details to Diary at 96FM.ie Join the conversation Email Opinion at 96FM.ie
1: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Cork's 96FM
4: Damien Sreenan's been on to say those shirts are available up to size 5XL and that he's found a place selling them I don't quite need 5XL Damien, unless they're an Asian 5XL because if an Asian 5XL on me looks like a medium sometimes <laughs> we'll see uh, thank you eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. um when was the last time you got a parking fine? It's funny we should go into this topic of conversation now because any any minute I must open the app on my phone and update my parking so I don't get slapped with a parking ticket. But what was the last time you got a parking ticket? In 2022, the council issued, these are the, the wardens now, not guards, the wardens issued in Cork just under 50000 Tickets. That's 49,956 if you're going to be accurate about it, but just under 50,000 parking tickets during 2022. In 2021, they had issued just under 32,000, 31,859 to be precise about it. That's like a 56% increase between 2021 and 2022. Now, they blame lockdown, the lifting of lockdown and say that was a major factor in the increase which would be fine Councillor McFinn unless you looked back at 2018 there was only 32,000 fines so the argument it's because of the lifting of lockdown doesn't really hold water good morning
7: yeah good morning yeah I'm not sure that either PJ I saw that response um, and I don't think that's a factor at all to be honest Um, I think you know, what may be a factor or what may be factors are, firstly, I suppose the enlargement of the, the, the area would have brought in areas, you know, previously managed by the, uh, the county council. And I suppose that would have increased. But I think the major factor in the increase in fines is the fact that the council have taken on uh, extra traffic wardens. So I'd imagine that the enforcement of the bylaws is greater um, and, you know, that there's obviously a greater vigilance in around the city and around the wider city. And I think that's the primary reason um, why that figure has gone up, which I think is very high. Um, I did get a couple of calls and emails from kind of people, constituents to say that, you know, that they can understand how it's not higher given some of the the parking practices in around the city centre. But, you know, that's virtually a thousand uh, fines a week and I, I consider that quite high. Um, And I think you know, as I I said uh, in in the piece I did for the Echo, um, you know, I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword in the sense that yes, you know, it's good to clamp down on illegal parking, but there's also obviously a benefit to the council—a financial benefit from it, um, you know, which is used to fund other services. So that's you know, it's um, my 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 fear, I suppose, is that it'll turn people off kind of going into the city centre if that's where a lot of the, the
4: the fines have been issued. See, there's a there's a theory, Mick out there and it's gathering pace that that's what they want to do is to keep people out of town or cars out of town
7: well I mean I suppose look that is an aim obviously and it was part of the you know the whole inner city kind of bus corridors and everything else that that you're trying to restrict cars in town to improve public transport and obviously bus connects will will feed into that down the line as well I mean I suppose they want people in town um, but they want to keep cars out of it. And, I mean, that's the way a lot of the major cities have been going. I mean, if you look at Dublin, they're talking about getting rid of vehicle or traffic now mm-hmm. um, in altogether in Dame Street in around by Trinity area, which is very restricted anyway.
4: So I think we're kind of
7: following that lead in places like London, you know, with congestion charges oh, and everything
4: else like that. Les, one, Ulez is one of the most hated things ever brought in. Just on yeah. these figures, though, our own figures here, Mick, did you did you check out Dublin, Limerick, Galway? Have they had similar gains in 2022?
7: I think yeah, well I I'm, I'm not certain of that PJ to be quite honest. I mm-hmm. um, I think they have stayed more or less the same. But as I say, you know, I mean we have been saying for a long time in regards to, we say dog fouling or planning issues or whatever or parking, you know, we're saying that if you if you take people on and take extra people on, it can be enforced. The big problem with a lot of the bylaws in Cork you know, there was problems last summer and the summer before with, we'll say, kind of drinking by the lock and drinking in public places. But unless it's enforced, it's very difficult for, you know, to, to stop that kind of behaviour. Mm. So, like, I suppose what we would say is that if, if the council is interested, for example, in stopping uh, dog falling, which is a big issue in our own areas, particularly with parks and stuff, if they're interested in doing that, they can take on people to do it and pay people to do it. And that has yielded results, you mm. know, in terms of the fines for, for parking, uh, but also, as I said, it has yielded a dividend as well, which you know is, is probably what they'll come back and say. That's why we've done it because we know that it can pay for itself. Yeah, um, it's, you know, so it's it looks, profitable. But it's, just, it's profitable. It's profitable to do it. And I mean, there were uh, I think it was an extra three or four wardens taken on. Uh, and I mean, if you have if you have increased staff to to be looking out for for parking uh, breaches. You know, it's it's inevitable that you're going to increase your 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 fines and increase your revenue
4: yield as well. Mm. You mentioned illegal parking, and no one would condone parking stupidly on a double yellow line, or with your two wheels up on a footpath, or anything like that. You should you should get a, a ticket yeah. for that. But what really riles people, what really boils people's blood, Mick, is a disc or an app on the car that was supposed to run out at 11 o'clock and it's run out at and and 20 past 11 they get slapped with a ticket like that's that's hard on people
7: yeah it is and it has happened to me on a number of occasions as well you know yourself when you're in in the city or wherever you know there's a parking zone even in Douglas and you you, you slap up your ticket and you're maybe 10 or 15 minutes later you meet people whatever and then to get a ticket and it has happened to me as well um, and it is very frustrating when you're trying to kind of play by the rules. I suppose there are a lot of people that don't play by the rules, will go in, kind of chance there their arm, park the car, and, I mean, that's, you know, that's a reality as well. Yeah. Um, well, know, if you
4: haven't registered anything at all, if you haven't put a disc up or, or registered a park by phone, if you haven't paid at all, i have no sympathy for you. But if you've yeah, paid and, you, and it's and, run out...
7: Yeah, and it's very hard to come up with a regime then, PJ, that kind of you know, distinguishes between the two. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, well, well, if, I do believe... If, there a a
4: if there's a disc on yeah. the window, or you yeah. can check the app for whether I paid for some of it, then that's yeah. easy to distinguish from the guy. Yeah, we're just looking at the numbers for Dublin, Mick. Uh, it seems to be issuing tickets around the rate that Cork did in 2018, and that's taking population and everything into yeah. account and averaging it all out.
7: Yeah, and so I said that would seem to kind of confirm to me that the reason why there there has been an increased um, take or the increased number of fines is because of the number of people who are actually uh, employed to look for them. You know, so I think that I think that would almost prove that point. Um, and I think you know, like there are deficiencies in other council services as well. And I think if the staff and if the if the if the funding is put into addressing the core issue, you know, you will get results if there are extra people. Um. You know, able to to do their job. So, I you know I know I, I, know, I, I saw a headline on the Echo and the Examiner recently about the dog calling and there were no fines. And um, but I think if you took people on and if you empowered maybe litter wardens to do that, um, I think you would see a, a, a response there, a greater response than that's there at the moment.
4: Yeah, yeah. Fergal also wants me to to thank you for walking him through how the figures are calculated because it is fairly fairly complex and he couldn't have done it without you. Thanks very much, uh, Councillor Mick Finn huge numbers of parking tickets been given out in 2022. They took on more wardens and they hit out with a vengeance. Nearly 50,000 parking tickets in the course of 2022. You have been warned. They're out there and they'll catch you.
1: Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing. Focused solely on your
2: hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie Fox
1: 96 F- <laughs> the minds are live oh, hello. Join the conversation Call 0818
2: 969696.
1: Text or WhatsApp 083 396
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie
1: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Watch 96 FM
4: Quite a bit of interest in this idea to uh, shorten the secondary school summer holidays not a lot of people are really enthusiastic about doing it everybody coming up with reasons why we shouldn't do it a lot also saying well look the exam students in junior and leaving they're entitled to peace and quiet and silence while they're trying to do their exams so if the school is full and everything is going on as normal there'll be chaos and that is a point that's being made by more than one person. And young Casey Rangus, who is in the middle of her leaving cert at the moment. She said, look, it's tiring. And by the time we get to the end of this, we will all be very, very tired. And by the time you come in to the end of May every year, you have summer exams on top of it on a normal year and you are tired and you need your break. Tim says, Tim Brosnan, with secondary school and college holidays, I've noticed a significant drop in rush hour traffic. When the primary schools break up at the end of June, there'll be a further drop in traffic. We need an integrated school and college-centred bus service instead of the basket case bus connects, or bus disconnects, as Tim calls it, to be a far more intelligent way of doing things. And just on that, before I move on, with regard to primary school holidays, and they don't finish up until the the end of June, the last few days of June. But when we were putting together our notes on... For this conversation this morning We discovered some private primary schools Actually finish up earlier End of May or very early June Many of them, the private schools Finished last Friday And we couldn't quite understand what's going on there Like they have a curriculum to fulfil They have a school year to fulfil How are they able to do it? How are some of the private primary schools Able to close up, which they did last Friday while the state national primary schools are in until the end of the end of June can you imagine having a Smalley going to the national school at 6 or 7 or 8 years of age and across the road his pal who he plays soccer with on the green goes to a private school and is off since last Friday can you imagine the jealousy? I'd just love to know how that works. If anybody knows, they can let us know. At ninety six ninety six Now to something far more serious and uh, far more... I don't quite know what words I have for this. Um, Margaret, you have been through, in the last month you have been through every parent's worst nightmare. My my sincere condolences, and the condolences of everybody here on the loss of your son. Good morning.
14: Thank you very much, PJ. Good morning.
4: Tell me what happened to, to David.
14: Um, well, I guess everything kind of went downhill, PJ, when we lost our home 10 months ago. So we're currently homeless. Okay. Uh, and myself and my four boys, David was the oldest. He was over eighteen years old, so he couldn't come and live with us. Right. So myself and my four boys live here in Edel House. Okay. Which I must say they've been absolutely amazing since day okay. one. But um anyhow, David was actually born with a near infection. Right. And he had problems right up through all of his childhood with recurrent air infections constantly. Okay. And um, he went through quite a rough time of it. And going back about, give or take, about six, seven years ago, he went for quite a big operation on his right there. Mm.
4: did the doctors tell him what the problem was tell you what the problem was it was
14: just a, a constant build up of fluid constant ear infections Okay. and he just happened to be just as I said he was just unlucky enough to be born with an ear infection which was very rare
5: yes
4: yes
14: but anyhow that continued for years so, um, fast forward a few years, we had lost our home due to the landlord selling our home. We were there for 12 years. So David was seven years old when we first moved in there.
5: So mm. it was home, home to David. That's know? where he grew up,
14: yeah. That's where he was reared and he grew up, yeah. In Wil- Wilton and well, basically talker as he would refer to it as, you know, um, everything just went downhill after that. He's held. He never, we never lived in a curve in our whole life. Any of us, we've always been settled travelers and we've always lived in a house. But when we became homeless, as I said, David couldn't come in to hotel house with us because of his age.
4: He had to he had to fend for himself.
14: Yes. Mm. So then there was some friends of his that he got a caravan from. Okay. And he lived in a caravan.
4: Was he living there on his own?
14: On his own. In the caravan.
4: Okay. I and mean, you'd see him regularly in you?
14: Every day. Okay. Every single day, sometimes twice a day. I'd always make sure, Peter, that he was, um, his clothes were washed and dried and that he was fed. Yeah. You know, just being a mummy to him, really. Of course. Um, David played a huge role in her life because myself and my now ex-husband we split up seven years ago mm. so um david was really kind of the father figure to his brothers okay he was the oldest so all of these brothers looked up to him he was um he wasn't just my son PJ. <sighs> he was my best friend yeah we had a very unique bond
4: what What happened to him Margaret
14: what happened was Peter in March he met a girl he was still in the caravan at this stage himself and this girl this was just up out of the blue and both of them decided to run off and get married okay Rosalina is her name, a lovely girl. So then she came to live with David in the Carman but then they decided to move down to Ennis Diamond and County Clare. Like I'm originally from Ennis, okay. County Clare myself. Okay. They both decided to move down to Arpegia until they could find proper accommodation and they were staying with Rosalina's family. So he started to, um feeling sick. And um but he was he was really stubborn, really stubborn. Like when he'd say no, it was no. Yeah. You know? He was the type of person like. But anyhow, I he he wasn't he wasn't improving after a week. So I said, Okay. I picked up my phone, I got the air code of where he was and I had actually sent an ambulance. The ambulance brought him from there to Galway University Hospital. Mm-hmm. And he walked out um, at two o'clock in the morning. He, he didn't want to be seen. But before this, a few days before this, Rosalina's family had um, brought him to a doctor and he was diagnosed with an ear infection and a throat infection. Okay. And he was, given some, he was given some antibiotics. And about three days into the course of antibiotics, he wasn't getting better. Mm. So, um, I can't even remember what morning anyone was, PJ. I think it was on a Thursday morning. Yeah, it actually was, it was a Thursday morning. I got into my car with three of my other kids. And we drove down. But um, as I just came out of Venice and was on the end Diamond Road when I got a phone call from Rose, I was about, basically, it was about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes away from him when Rosalina had rang me and says, Margaret, he won't wake him up. I can't get him to wake up. Oh, dear. You know? So I said, put the phone to he's there you know, David, I'm almost here. I'll be there in a minute. Please wake up. He idolized all his brothers, but especially the honest, Anthony. Yeah. He's eight years old. And I said, Anthony, when he's waiting to see you, please, David. So I was pleading with him to wake up. So I said to Rosalina, "Hang up the phone and ring an ambulance immediately. So she did. And just as I arrived to where he was, the ambulance had just come in. It's just in before me. Hmm. So, um, I said, Margaret, don't panic, relax, calm down and, you know, keep yourself together. So, um, I went to the door to the and I looked in, there was two paramedics in there. Hmm. and I just knew <laughs> I just knew just something was drastically wrong yeah they brought David out to put him into the ambulance
4: had had he come round had he woken up
14: no 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 so the paramedics were asking me his medical history I was given it they said we just can't figure out what the problem is here, we don't know. It seemed like they were forever in the ambulance. The paramedics were lovely. And one guy got out to me, the paramedic, and he says to me, Margaret, we need to call an advanced paramedic because we just can't figure out what the problem is. Okay. He said, Will you um, make your way to Limerick Hospital and we'll follow you? So I drove out. The ambulance passed me out and indicated to the side of the road. So then I pulled into the advanced paramedic at So I went to the back door of the ambulance and I says, please come in. He says, Margaret, I'm sorry, but we cannot let you in. We're working on David. We need to find out what the problem is. So I respected the wishes, PJ, as much as how it was killing me. But I needed to let these guys do their job, too. Yeah. So I waited back, and the advanced paramedic said, we're going to bring him to uh, Stretler, Mike. I'm sorry. And I said, is he going to be okay? I was really upset. The paramedic said, I don't know. But we're doing all we can. They brought him in the back door of the hospital, and into um, the triage. And I wasn't about in there either. So the doctor eventually come out to me and says, um, We're going to send him straight up, he said, to um Intense Care Unit. And um, we'll be around later to speak to you. Yeah. So they brought him up straight to Intense Care. Obviously, I followed him straight up, myself and his wife, Rosalina. So we waited, we waited outside for a while and then um, we went back in. And um, they had to do brain scans and body scans and you name know, it, everything. And then they had to wait for bloods and stuff to come back. I can't even remember right now, PJ. Was it that night or was it the following I think it was the following morning. That um actually was the following morning. The doctor had um said to myself, he says, I'm um, married, and um, if you can get your ex husband, they dad and his brothers and herself. Um, we would like to you know we'd like to speak to you. So then I really start to panic. <laughs> so then PJ um, the dad wasn't there at this stage so Rosalina's parents were there and my own parents had came out to talk to one time as well and I was like he's only 19 I mean come on he was our life support at this stage but I didn't know that either he says Margaret look we brought him down for some scans and um there's no activity from his brain. No oh, God. Just absolutely no activity. So I said, um oh, what are you saying here to me? And he said I'm his branded. And that was I just I, just, I couldn't believe it. It was like it was surreal. It was like I was in this movie watching all this going on <laughs> and I couldn't believe that it was actually happening that it was real oh, so um, then I said you're not pulling out no plugs it's not happening I was starting to get angry then you just came in here yesterday and you're telling me that my child is brain dead and you're not pulling out plugs it's just not happening so he said um, Margaret what we've done um we're gonna to have to do one more test, but we know, like we're telling you now, that it's not gonna be good news. So then, am, I'm sorry. It's okay. And then Ash, 20 to six that evening, myself and my mother was in the room and and his brother, Christopher. And I can't remember who else was there. I I honestly can't remember who else. And my mother was one side holding his hand and I was the other side holding his hand. And and I was telling him to David, look, I love you so much. And he wrote my entire work. I know you should never have favorite speech with kids, you should never have favorites, but there's something special about your firstborn. Yeah. So, guess was that? We've been even 20 to forty six to six. He lasted nine minutes. So that's how strong his heart was, you know? Yes. Nine minutes. And then he left us. Devastation that's not even the word to use. It's not. No, it is a word more than that.
4: I don't think a word has been invented for it.
14: You know. Yeah. No parent should ever have to bury their child. He was only six weeks married.
4: Oh, that's that's awful. How is how is Rosalina?
14: Heartbroken beyond belief more than devastated
4: You can't put words on
14: Yeah, I don't even you've, have
4: You've got to rebuild your lives and you don't even know where to start When when Christopher got in touch with us, Margaret he mentioned an artist called Silky
14: That's right, Peter He was um he loved music and he is still um you know he's was into a lot of singers like he listened to quite old fashioned singers to like country western singers Yeah but Silky he, like he was big time really 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 into his music Yeah and it was always you know even you know in the tribal community there the rate of suicides is the highest in the whole world so we have seen a lot of young, unfortunately, a lot of young kids through the years. Yeah. And even apart from suicides, a lot of young children die.
4: Die. And I think Silky has a big following in your community.
14: That's right. Yeah. David adored him every day. And, you know, he would do my head with this music. I <laughs> would be like, turn it down just turn it down you know.
4: <laughs> this wouldn't be my music at all it's, it's noisy stuff but it's, it's 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 got a rhythm to it and I know that Christopher has an idea that he wants us to try and help get a message to Silky
14: please PJ because he would love that so much
4: he's very active on social media Instagram and TikTok and you'd like would like him to do
9: something.
14: Just even put a couple of words in a song from something. You know, mention his name in a song or something, it would just be it would mean
4: Well the first thing that can be done is a message can be got to him anyway. I know people people listening can go on Silky's social media and you have a hashtag song for David And I think having listened to your story today, a lot of people would feel there's there's no harm in asking.
14: Please, PJ, if you could do that.
4: Margaret, you've, you've been extraordinarily brave in telling David's story to me today. All that we can do is put it out there that David was a huge fan of Silky. And if a message could be got to the chap, like you said, a few words in David's memory would mean so much to the family. All we can do is try and get a message to him. How would that be for a start?
14: Thank you so much, Peter. I would really appreciate that.
4: Before I let you go, are you all right now?
14: Uh, Peter, I don't think I'm ever going to be all right again.
3: Have you got somebody with you right now?
14: I um, I have a friend in here. Okay. Okay. And. I wouldn't have been able to get through all of this without her. Okay. Okay. The staff at Fidel House, my key worker, all of them, there's just too many to mention. Okay. All of the ladies has been brilliant. I couldn't speak highly enough of them.
4: Well, I hope that they'll take good care of you at this difficult time. Margaret, all I can do is wish you, wish you the best. I won't say wish you well. It'll be a long time before you'll be well, but I wish you the best. I will think of David today.
14: Thank you, Peter. Thank you so
4: much. Thanks, Margaret. Oh, what do you, what do you say? That's a parent's worst nightmare. Her, her 19 year old son, tall, strapping lad, fiercely loved by herself and his brothers, 19 years of age, his new wife of six weeks is a widow. Ah, you don't know where to start. We're not going to promise anything, but this chap, Silky, actually had a gig in Ireland at some stage across the summer. His real name is Solomon Rose. He's a producer and DJ from Hammersmith in London, and he's hugely popular. So what we can do is, and you can help us with this, you can help us, but if you know of Silky, if you follow Silky's music, if you know anyone in your family who follows Silky's tunes... Drop him through social media. Drop my message. Um, a message. Put a TikTok message into him, Instagram, wherever he's selling his wares. and uh, Use the hashtag. There's a hashtag. A song for David. If you could get that going, a song for David. Let's see if we can get a message. We are sending emails and we're tweeting and contacting the music promoters and anybody we can get her reach out to in the business just to see if we can draw his attention to this for Margaret and her family and we're going to work on this behind the scenes and see what if anything can be done Um, that's kind of where the family came to us to see could we could we help so the only promise I made to Margaret and to Christopher, her, her son, who got in touch with us first, is we will try. Mm. Do you know anybody, by the way, connected with Silky, who might be able to help us? Uh, you can drop us an email or a text, the email opinion at 96ofm.ie, uh, the text 0833 96 96, 96. So if we can see if we can track him down, get a message to him on behalf of David's family.
1: Join the conversation This is the Opinion Live
2: With Hidden Hearing Changing lives With the latest Hearing health technology They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie It's
1: 96
4: FM Yeah, your tickets to Rod Stewart Are still here in my hot little fist And I want to give them to you A day I prepare every day this week Thanks to our friends At Live at the Marquee At Aiken Promotions Rod Stewart Live At the Marquee 20th of June um, simple, simple out Rod and your details Rod and your name and where you are and all that to 083 396 96 96 083 396 96 96 With the word Rod and your details text or WhatsApp prepare tickets for Rod Stewart Lev the marquee on June the 20th and we'll draw those before the end of the day <clears throat> 0818 96 96 96 you will know of the close ties uh, between the people of Ireland, and I think the people of Cork in particular, and the people of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. And if you've ever been to see that magnificent monument in Balik Park in Middleton, the one with the feathers and the way it glistens in the sun, it's it's quite spectacular. It's the kindred spirits sculpture, and we've talked about it uh, recently recently. Um, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. It really is fantastic. There's a young woman called Claire Green Young, who has recently graduated from UCC with a master's degree in museum studies. And she has done that thanks to a remarkable scholarship called the Choctaw Ireland Scholarship. And it gets even better than that because Claire Green Young is herself a member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. She's back in her own part of the world now, uh, but she joins me from there. Claire, uh, good morning and congratulations on your graduation.
8: Good morning. Yes, I did get to know Cork quite well. Um, I have to say it really became a home away from home for me and I'm really glad to be on the show this morning
2: i
4: had a wonderful conversation with a man you will know uh, tim tingle a few months back uh, and we talked about the, the beautiful links between between cork and the, and the choctaw nation T- to spend some time here with cork people and let them get to know you as well as you get to know them what was that like
8: that's so good to hear that you got to speak with tim um he's a great storyteller that one so i'm glad to hear that and to connect with you um It was really special to get to know the um, Irish people during my time in Cork to act as a representative for my community in that capacity Um, and also to see so many of the similarities um, between our two people and between, um, you know, I always like to tell people that folks at home are so extremely friendly and welcoming and coming to Cork, I was expecting maybe a bit of a harsher European demeanour. But Cork folks were so welcoming and so friendly immediately. um, So it just, it was very easy to find my place in the community there in Cork.
4: Now you came to UCC through the Choctaw Ireland Scholarship. Explain to me the history of that and how it works.
8: Yes. um, So the Choctaw Ireland Scholarship is a fairly new scholarship, Um, I was only the third year's recipient. Um, That scholarship kind of is in memory of the Choctaw-Irish connection going back to 1847. Um, During that time, the Choctaw people donated funds to the Irish people during the famine. Um, It's my understanding and my feeling that our ancestors um, presumably would have felt a strong connection and kinship with the Irish people who were facing that hardship, considering that not uh, not long before that, the Choctaw people had actually walked the Trail of Tears from our homelands in the Mississippi area to um, Indian Territory or present-day Oklahoma, and had also faced great loss, um, similar to the Irish people during the famine. And so, Today, that that connection is kind of commemorated through this scholarship, and I'm really grateful to have been a recipient of that.
4: I I take it that you weren't long in Cork when you got to see the monument. What was that like, to stand before that beautiful monument in Middleton?
8: Oh, my gosh. It's stunning, isn't it? Um, Yes, that was one of my first trips outside of the city, and it just is Stunning, and I just so happened to make it out to Middleton on a sunny day. And you know, when the light hits off of them um, and kind of reflects, it yeah. is just—it's a stunning sight. And it made me feel a little closer to home while being away from home.
4: It is stunning, and having been there and seen it myself on a sunny day, no two branches reflect the same way. It—it's—it's it's a wonderful piece of work that way.
8: It is. It is just wonderful. The artist did a phenomenal job
4: to become a master of Museum studies you were at u c c for and and you've you've landed yourself a wonderful job on top of that qualification
8: I yes i have um, i I feel so blessed um, my professors at u c c uh, Griffin Murray um, as my advisor for my dissertation was just Absolutely wonderful. Everyone there within the department um, and who taught our UCC Museum Studies course, they were just incredibly supportive and welcoming of my, you know, different perspective than a lot of folks in the classroom and also very open to including um, different uh, points of views as far as allowing me to write about representation of indigenous folks in museums and doing a lot of that research on the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act. So it was wonderful to be able to bring um, this core part of myself with me to Ireland and to feel like that was a welcome perspective in my uh, in my course. And then, yes, after graduating, I've actually found myself working as curator at the Chalk Hill Cultural Center Um you know, growing up, we did it, our tribe, we didn't have a cultural center or a museum necessarily in this capacity. And so I never really understood that this is a field that I could go into. Hmm. And so whenever the cultural center, it, it just opened right before I left for Ireland, actually. And so my mom and I, we went to see it. And I had already planned on getting my master's in museum studies. And when I walked into the cultural center, I just told my mom, I would love, (laughs) I would love to work here as the curator one day. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that that would be so soon after moving home from Ireland. But um, the program at UCC just really uh, gave me the knowledge that I needed to be successful in the position and to come home and give back to my community.
4: Tell me about that magnificent dress that you attended your graduation in. That's traditional Choctaw dressmaking.
8: Yes. So that's our um, our Arbogalia that we would wear only for special occasions. Um, You'll see folks wear them for um, graduations, for different um, events in the community. And I wanted to have that part of me um, with me, I guess, during my graduation from UCC. And as the Choctaw Island scholarship to be able to represent the tribe in Ireland during that occasion, um, yeah, you can you can see from the image that was published in um, the newspaper Echo that it's a gorgeous blue color. The yeah. color is kind of up to the dress wearer's discretion, yeah. but the diamond patterns that you see across the dress and on the apron are very much so specific to Choctaw folks. Um, that's kind of a pattern that's very identifiably Choctaw. It kind of harkens back to our relationship with the diamondback rattlesnake. Um, I don't believe you guys have any of those in Ireland. No, thank-
4: <laughs> thankfully not. Thankfully not.
8: Yes. Yes. <laughs> But um, for Choctaw people, the diamondback rattlesnake is definitely looked at as a relationship that benefited both parties. And so this is an animal that, you know, was trusted to kind of keep pests and rodents away from our crop.
4: Your people treat them with respect because they, they serve a purpose in keeping rodents away from...
8: Exactly. Wow. Wow.
4: <laughs> do, you, do you plan to get back to Cork anytime?
8: Oh my gosh, I, I, I hope to make a trip to Cork every year. I made a lot of great friends in Cork. Timmy, Cohan, and Mona, um, and Chloe O'Sullivan from Bantry and Glen um, Those Those are my people in Ireland now. And so I have family there that I plan to return to and visit to every year if possible. I love Cork. I tell everyone I'm a Cork girl through and through now. The real capital.
4: <laughs> yes speaking our language and it's lovely to have you as as one of us by extension claire it's been a pleasure to talk to you wish you success in your new job and congratulations again on your graduation oh
8: Yakuki, thank you so much
4: yes yeah, thank you that's great um that's claire green young speaking to me from uh, oklahoma uh, thanks to sarah horgan at the echo for helping us to establish contact with with claire at uh, I think she's very sincere when she says she back every year. She fell in love with West Cork and Bantry and Gareth, and all those places. And who who wouldn't? O eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Okay, I'll read that in just in just a sec. Mick, thank you. And also Morris on litter on the beaches. Morris has a take, and Mick has another take on the famine. Just a sec
2: Join the conversation
1: This is the Opinion Line
2: With Hidden Hearing Focused solely on your hearing health For over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Corks 96 FM
4: Right, um, Mick says, PJ It has been documented There was no famine It was genocide Only the potato crop failed What about the carrots And the beef And the onions And all the other foods There's a school of thought that they were taken at gunpoint. There's a, there's a book about all of that: the famine plot, England's role in Ireland's greatest tragedy, written by Tim Pat Coogan. No relation. Well, I've never traced, but I'm fairly sure uh, no relation it makes that. It, and that make a lot of people believe that. But the the reference I was making was to the Choctaws when we had nothing and they had less. They still managed to get together and send money. Uh, to the starving of Ireland, and uh, they will that that relationship will always be there. As a result of that, Morris, I'll hold on to what you're saying about rubbish just until I go to Terence. Terence is in Rat Peak, and you have never seen Rod Stewart play live, my man.
14: Never seen him live, no. Unfortunately.
4: Okay. Well, and I know that your favourite song is is Grace.
14: Yeah, I love the way he
11: does Grace. Yeah. Oh, it's,
4: marvellous, fresh, marvellous, I can tell you something now. I was down in Parkey Creeve in 2019 when he did it, in in the open air with, I don't know, 35,000, 40,000 people, and it was a thing of beauty. I cannot wait to hear it in a packed tent on the 20th of June. And you know what? You'll hear it there too, because you're my winner today.
14: Oh, fantastic. Thanks for PJ. All right, have
4: got Two tickets for you to go off and see Rod Stewart live at the Marquis, June 20th. Thanks to Aiken Promotions. That's Terence in Pekin. Right, before we go, something we're going to do tomorrow. Oh, hold on. Yeah, Morris says, with regard to rubbish, as far as rubbish on the beach is concerned, and in other places, the rubbish should not be picked up by the council or by do-gooders. It's only making things worse. The more they pick up, the more indifferent people will litter. Let our filthy pigs see what they are and leave the rubbish exactly where it was so the pigs have to pick it up and bring it home the next time they go or the next time they discover, dispose of their paper coffee cups at the side of the road. That's from Morris. It's a take, Morris. Now, did you ever wonder how many planets it would take if everybody lived like you? What, Peter? Yeah, it's called your personal overshoot day. It's the day of the year that you will have used up your fair share of the Earth's resources. There's a way to calculate it, footprintcalculator.org. It's a website where you go through your use of resources, your use of energy, your use of food and products like that. And it calculates the day of the year at which you have used your fair share for the year of the Earth's natural resources. Fergal did it this morning. His overshoot day is the 23rd of March. And if everyone lived like him, we'd need four planets. Four and a half, actually. Earths. He reckons mine will be worse. Um, I'll tell you what it is tomorrow. And I'll tell you whether he's right or wrong tomorrow. Fergal reckons mine will be a lot worse. The footprint FootprintCalculator.org is the website I'm telling you about. We're doing this as part of our Hours to Protect initiative by the Commission Man. FootprintCalculator.org I'll tell you mine tomorrow Programme edited by Eime Rohe Produced and researched by Fergal Barry And we shall talk to you in the morning Just
1: after 9 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line
2: With Hidden Hearing Changing lives with the latest hearing health technology They're all
0: ears Visit
1: HiddenHearing.ie 96FM